The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com Okay, it's good to see everyone here uh, this morning. Um, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be in verses 10 to 11. Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 10 to 11. Now, while you're turning there, I got this uh, article that, uh, that was in the Atlantic. Uh, it says this, everyone is acting so weird. The most obvious recent weirdness was when Will Smith smacked Chris Rock at the Oscars. But people have been behaving badly on smaller stages for months now. Last week, a man was arrested after he punched a gate agent at the Atlanta airport. People also found ways to throw tantrums while skiing. In one viral video, a man slid around the chairlift boarding area, one foot strapped into his snowboard as he flailed at security guards and refused to comply with a mask mandate. During the pandemic, bad behavior of all kinds has increased. Americans are driving more recklessly, crashing more cars, and killing more pedestrians at higher rates. Healthcare workers say their patients are behaving more violently. As a result, Missouri hospitals plan to outfit nurses with panic buttons. In 2020, the U.S. murder rate rose by nearly a third, the biggest, largest increase on record, then rose again in 2021. And if there were a national tracker of school board meeting hissy fits, it would have been heaving with data points right about now. What on earth is happening? How did Americans go from clapping for healthcare workers to threatening to kill them? More than a dozen experts on crime, psychology, and social norms suggest a few possible explanations. Watch this. Number one, this one was kind of a duh. We're all stressed out. <laughs> One explanation for the spike in bad behavior is the rage, frustration, and stress coursing through society right now. Everyone is teetering slightly closer to their breaking point. Someone who may have lost a job, a loved one, or a friend to the pandemic might be pushed over the edge. Here's the other one. <laughs> Get this one. People are drinking more. People have been coping with the pandemic by drinking more and doing drugs. Wow. <laughs> you know, one of the things I, I remember too is during the pandemic, there was a shortage on ammunition, but not alcohol. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> A lot of these incidents involve somebody using a substance. Americans have been drinking 14% more days a month during the, since the pandemic, and drug overdoses have increased since 2019. 
The other thing is we are social beings and isolation is changing us. The pandemic loosened ties between people. Kids stopped going to school. Their parents stopped going to work. Parishioners stopped going to church. People stopped gathering in general. Sociologists think all of this isolation shifted the way we behave. The rise in disorder may simply be the unsavory side of a uniquely difficult time, one in which many were tested and some have failed. That's the end of the article. This was my response. Yeah, but this should not have been the case for Christians. Amen. <laughs> this is what blew me away. The whole time during the pandemic, and even today, after the pandemic, why in the world are we seeing Christians behaving like this? Christians! Are, we're supposed to be different, right? I mean, it kind of makes you kind of wonder. Because here's the thing, and what this had uncovered is the true nature and the true reality of what happens when the old nature is revealed. <laughs> when we are tested as Christians, and it's truly during times of real stress and real pressure that the mask is removed and we all see what was really there. See, that's, that's huge. And this is, this is something that we really got to think about and we really got to ponder. I mean, it's like we're seeing this behavior in Christians and, and I'm looking at this and I have to wonder, are we seeing this because Christians are just, you know, they're just reacting to the stress and the pressure or is it that the stress and the pressure is just revealing what was already there? What was already there? Maybe it was just always there. Right? And, and here, this is what I, I, it's easy to be a Christian and do all the nice and godly stuff as long as there's nothing in this world messing with you. Right? It's like, man, I can go to church, I can do all this kind of stuff, but man, if, when, when, when stuff comes up and it starts to mess with me, I just can't handle it. I just can't take it. The saying goes, it's easy to be an angel as long as nobody ruffles your feathers. See, family, I cannot tell you just how many times I have watched circumstances and trials cause people to walk away from Christ. It's, it's so common. It's absolutely amazing how people are, are walking as Christians and whoo, life hits them. They're in my office, we're getting where I'm counseling, and they're just on the brink of walking away from Christ because of all the things that are happening to this individual. I remember telling this woman that we were counseling upon this issue with her and her family, and, and they were having a difficult time, and she was you know, beginning to doubt. And I told her, ma'am, you have to be careful. Please be careful with the doubt that you're entertaining right now because if you continue to let this come to fruition, you might actually walk away from Christ. And without a beat, without any hesitation or anything like that, she came right on and said, Shane, it's too late. 
I already did. But watch, it's not the end of the story. So she did walk away from Christ, and she didn't come to church for a while. Then she came back to church. And I was like, hey, hi, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? Oh, Shane, life is great. Things are going so well. You know, my husband got this job. We're doing this. I got to buy a new car. I got all this. All these great things happened in her life. And so she's back at church. And guess what happens? Trials and tribulation hit that family one more time. And she was back in the same thing. Well, you know what? I, if God don't care about me, then I don't care about him. And walk away from Christ again. Wanting nothing to do with him. Left the church. Guess what happened? I saw her again. That church. Hey, how are you doing? So good to see you. Oh, Shane, life is so good. Life is great. Guess what happened? Problem. Walked away from church. Guess what happened when all the problems went away? Came back to church. Family. And I know this is kind of a funny, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I know. But the problem is, is that her faith was being tested. And this is serious, family. This is serious. Her faith was being tested and she failed every single time. That part's not funny. Her faith was being tested. No matter what, she failed when it mattered the most. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to test yourselves. Surely you know that Christ Jesus is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. See, even back then, Paul was having to deal with delusion, self-deception. And this is why these things are important. Because family, it's easy, right? I mean, come on, let's just be honest today. It's really easy to, hey, Ariel, welcome back. It's really easy. She, she, was, she was in Texas, you know, so, you know, need to, need to check her accent if she picked it up. Um, it's really easy for us, family, to walk and to, to, to walk, to go to church, you know, to, to sit in the pew right there next to Connie holding your Bible in the hand, getting up there, the worship team's up here and singing, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. I mean, and we sing it, yeah, see? And sing, easy. You know, and then you got your eel skin, you know, Bible covers on with your name printed in gold. Stand, yeah, there you go. Now, that's not eel skin, though. That's like King Supers right there. <laughs> you know, and then when the, the, the offering plate comes, you know, it's easy to pull out the money and, you know, all this stuff. And, oh, we want to give to missions. And, you know, we got, we got the Operation Christmas Child. We want to make sure we do that. Oh, I'm going to be at the packing party. You know, matter of fact, I'm going to bring donuts when I go to the, you know, it's easy for us to do all of this stuff when everything is great. Dare I say, anybody can do it. 
Even unbelievers can do it. The thing that makes us different, the thing that's supposed to make us different is when the world is falling apart, Christians are standing there singing, blessed be the name of the Lord. We're supposed to be different. We're not part of the old way. We're not part of the old world. So here's the question for us today. Did we ever take off our old self? Or are we walking around with our old clothes and then we just have a, a, a robe that says Christianity all over it and we, we, we just cover ourselves and we're hiding the old self? And then when the heat comes, we just throw off the robe and there we are standing with our old self. The same person we always were. See, that's really important, family you should be able to see what your life was like and what you were like before you became a Christian. See that you became, that when you became a Christian and you're able to look back and say, you know what? I'm different. I am not the same person I was before. That's important. This is huge. It's a very, very big part of who we are. Are we the same person we were before we got saved? Did we put off the old self and put on the new? So let's take a look at this today. Colossians chapter 3 verses 10 to 11. Colossians chapter 3 verses 10 to 11. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this life, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that it continues to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The first thing we're going to look at today is the reality of putting on our new nature and the new nature that we actually have in Christ. And the second thing we're going to look at is Christ living in us. That is our true hope, our true hope of glory. So our thesis statement today is this, though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to deceive ourselves in thinking that we're walking clothed in new life, it is the power of the Spirit and the truth of the Scriptures that will cause us to see the genuine faith given by Christ and the true life change that it really brings. So point number one, Paul wants us to put on the new clothes. Put on the new nature. The picture we have here, we have to, we have to see this in light of, of course, context, the context of the passage. It's illustrated with the action of changing clothes. So we saw in verse 9, he's telling you to take off the old nature. Now he's telling us to put on the new nature, and the idea and the picture is the action of changing clothes. We're to take off the old clothes of the old self, and we're to put on the new clothes of the new self. Lose the old behaviors and thinking and put on the new behaviors and thinking of the new self. It seems so simple, doesn't it? Just simple. Just 
we have nothing to do with the old self anymore. Just, but what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to put on the new self. Dr. Doug Moo, he writes, a change of clothes is a rather natural symbol for a change in life or situation. A kind of ritual changing of clothes, therefore, featured in a number of ancient regions or religions. So it's, it's, it's common, not just in Christianity, but all throughout all the religions and cultures all over the world, that, that putting on new garments, putting on new clothes, was always something that happened when there was a change, a change, something that happened in their life. So that's, that's a common illustration. And I know so, so we might not think that this is common today, but I remember the, the, I remember when, you know, I'm, I'm in Bible college and, you know, and all this stuff, and I get my first position as a pastoral intern at a church. And pretty much while I was in college and pretty much of life, my deal was jeans and T-shirt. <laughs> That's, yeah, Al, Al, Al's there. He's with, he's with me. But at some point... <laughs> Something had to change. And what happened was, is that I was brought on to the church as a pastoral intern, and, and essentially you, you function as a pastor. Uh, you just didn't get paid, right? So, you know, that's, that's kind of how it went. So you, 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 you did all this stuff. And anyway, so, you know, I remember uh, my, my aunt came, she visited at the time, and we were talking, and, and we were talking about our, you know, first day uh, of work and all this, and my, my aunt was just like, oh, okay, well, you know, it's a new change. It's a new time in your life. You know, and she goes, you know, you can't, you can't have jeans and a striper t-shirt. You can't go to work with that, right? So I'm just like, so I'm like, well, I don't, I don't understand. She's like, Shane, <laughs> new change, time to grow up. And so my uncle gave me some money and actually I went shopping and had to go buy some nice clothes to go to the office with. And, you know, at church, at, at the time at church, uh, kind of like the early 90s, it was like, it was, we still wore suits back then. I don't know if you remember back in the early 90s. I don't know if you guys can remember that far back, but, you know. But, yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. It was like, it wasn't unusual. You know, it was like, it, it was like amazing. It's like you go to church and man, and, and at that time it was like, it wasn't just the suits. It was the fancy, bright colored suits. You know, it wasn't uncommon, you know, to see Steve walking the church with a purple suit with a yellow shirt and a green tie. But you know what? It wasn't, it was, you know, we laugh now, but man, when we were wearing that stuff, we thought we were cool, man. You know, walking, we, we had the hundred pleats. I don't know if you remember that. We had all these pleats. The guys had these pants that had pleats. There was like a hundred of them. And all of here was all tight. And the legs were all like this. And you just walked in and you were like, no, uh-huh, I have arrived. You may begin the services. You know, and, and so it, it, it was the clothes that, that you wore. And so it was different for me. You know, it was like as a young person, put on the clothes for a new time in my life. Felt different. Felt like I was actually working. When we went to church on Sunday, I felt different. Actually felt like a path. So clothes changes things. It changes how you see yourself. But you know what else clothes do? It changes how people see you.
Now, this is, this is big now. I, I know like some people are like, hey, you know what, Shane, man, that's some ancient stuff going on there with the change in new life and perspective and all. That's some ancient stuff. Family, the fashion industry is a billion dollar industry for a reason. This is, this is not a small thing. This is a little thing, and we can all relate to it. I remember an experiment that I did with my job. I, uh, I worked for a builder, and I was, you know, um, I was promoted to being, becoming, the, um, they called it the warranty manager. Uh, don't ever take a position that says that. Just anytime the word manager appears at the end, just run, right? Um, <laughs> So here's the thing. So I got promoted to this. And basically what it is, is that we would build the houses. And after 30 days, I would meet with the the people. After six months, I'd meet with the people. And then after one year, and all this stuff is just fixing all the the, the things that happen, things that break, you know, all that stuff. And my job was to coordinate and to meet with all this stuff. Family, that is not fun. Because when people spend $500,000 on a house, Right, and after you know thirty days, there's nail pops all over in their walls. They're not happy, you know. So I, I I show up, right? I show up, and all I do is get yelled at. They just wow wow wow, you know. As God was preparing me for the ministry, you know, wow 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 wow, you know, just yell, yelling, just yelling at me, and just. And you just got to sit there and you just got to take it. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And they would say some of the most disrespectful, foul things. And it was, I, was, I was just curious about this. So I, I wanted to do like this experiment. Um, the thing was, is that, you know, I, I, I wasn't really thinking because, you know, it's a construction site, right? So I always just had jeans that had paint on my, my you know, paint on my pants and paint on my shirt. And you show up with your clipboard. You know, and you're just taking notes while they're yelling at you, saying all these horrible things. I, had an, I did an experiment once. You know what I did? I came up and I came to their door, warranty manager, with a three-piece suit and a laptop in my hand. Everything changed. Even with the same people. At the the 30-day, they're yelling at me, saying these horrible things to me about how I don't know what I'm doing, you're just a moron, blah, blah, all this stuff. The same people at the six-month, I roll up in my suit with a laptop right into their kitchen, set the laptop down, and we start talking. Back then, it was like really popular, too, to have that Bluetooth earpiece, you know? Pull that out, stick it on your ear. Okay, I'm ready. Everything changed. They didn't talk to me like that anymore. They didn't, that, I mean, some of these people didn't even use cuss words anymore. They just, everything changed, how they t- talked, how they communicated. Even our clothes will reflect even how people will talk, how people will communicate, how people will see you. This is the same idea that what Paul is communicating to us here in Colossians. We are also to see this in other places. In light of the gospel, Paul gives the same illustration in Ephesians chapter four, verses 22 to 24. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. 
Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Family, this is what we're supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to see ourselves, and this is how other people are supposed to see you. I understand, family, that we go through life and there's hardships, there's trials, there's suffering. I know that there's always this. And I know that there's people at your workplace that absolutely irritate you. I understand that there's people on the road that absolutely irritate you. I know all of these things are a factor in our lives. But family, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be standing when everybody else is falling. We're supposed to be succeeding when everyone is failing. When the dust settles, Christians should be standing. And and what what a testimony that is to the love and the power of our God and the Holy Spirit. When people are looking at you and going, man, this person is going through some stuff. Man, there's a lot that's happening to this individual. And you walk in to the workplace singing praises to God. This this is a a, a regular thing that happens. You know, even even at the builder, when I would walk in and, you know, things were going difficult, things were hard, you know, in in, in our lives. There There were a lot of really tragic, catastrophic things that me and Janine had to go through when we were first married and, and just a lot of stuff. And people were just like, dude, I don't even know why. You know, what, you know why, are you, why are you even come to work? This is just absolutely great. And I'm coming into work and I'm just, you know, doing my very best. But at the same time, I knew that in the end, all things will work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose that everything that happens in my life is somehow, some way going to glorify God. And you know what happens? This happens several times, even at this builder. I would sit down and I would talk, we'd be having lunch and stuff, and some, somebody would be like, Shane, man, how are you doing it? What is it that's getting you to get up in the morning, to wake up in the morning, to do all of this stuff? How, how are you doing it? And I'm like, I am so glad you asked. And I got to share the gospel with them. See, people will notice. People will notice. And the one thing, especially in our culture today, the one thing that they will notice is when you are not cracking and everybody else is. Whatever it is that guy's got, I want. It's amazing. The old nature, getting rid of the old nature, putting on the new nature. So what does all this mean? It means we've been introduced into a new arena of existence. The realm where the old self, understood as the Adamic nature from Adam, no longer dictates, it doesn't direct our thinking, it doesn't direct our behavior. This does not happen because we made it clear 
and made a clear, decisive break with the old self. We are no longer identified with Adam. We are now identified with Christ. That's the change. That's the difference. Where the old life is characterized by Adam's sin, we should understand the new realm is characterized by the death and resurrection of Christ, which looks like righteousness, peace, joy, in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy. We've been transferred into this new realm. And that because of this transfer, we are both empowered and required to live in a new way. Family, we've got to see that. We've got to see this is huge. We've got to see this. We are required as Christians to live in a new way. We don't become Christians and we look and we see the laws and the commands of God and things that God has given us and the things that the Apostle Paul outlines as far as what a Christian should look like. We can't walk through life and be like, eh, I, I don't want to follow that one. I might follow this one, but I definitely don't want to follow that one. I don't like that. That definitely is not a part of my life. That's just not me. I don't like that part of Christianity. You know, we can't walk through We are required as Christians to follow the laws of God. But here's the thing that's beautiful about this. God also gave us the power to do it. God gave us the power to do it. Now, again, we do struggle with the two competing natures, okay? Our sin nature and our new nature in Christ, yeah, that's still conflict. That's, that's the war that's going on, you know, in, in our lives, you know? There's two natures that are wrestling with each other within us, within culture, but within us. There's a struggle. There's a battle. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? The battle that goes on inside, the struggle, the deep issue that happens between the two natures, our sin nature and our nature that we have in Christ is constantly at war with each other and it goes all the way down to the self. Cellular level. You know, I don't know if you guys know a lot about Asian culture and history, but, you know, Japanese and Chinese people like absolutely hated each other. In a lot of ways, still do. <laughs> I used to make fun of my friend, and I, used my fr- I always told my friend that he's like the perfect example of the warring natures because his dad is Chinese and his mom is Japanese. And I'm just like, wow, bro, do you feel your body at the cellular level at war with each other? <laughs> it's like even to the cellular genetic level, you're at war. It's like that. It's like deep down inside, all the way down, the two natures are struggling. The two natures are fighting with each other. This is why we don't want to do what we know we ought to do, or we don't want to do what we're supposed to want to do. There's a war going on inside. But you know what I think is really interesting? I always, I always think about this, the war that's happening, the old self, the new self. You know, it's like you got the old clothes that you took off, and you got the new clothes that you put on, but the old clothes keeps wanting to jump on. Right? It's like they got, it's got them. Just, you know, it's like, oh, you try to get it off, but then it comes back on. It's just, there's always there. This war, the two natures at war with each other. And I always ask the Lord, why? Why has this always got to, got to be a struggle? Just get rid of the old nature. 
And for years, I've always wrestled with this stuff. And then one day, I'm going through the book of Judges and something absolutely hit me. The reason why sin nature remains. You guys want to know the, the answer to this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, if you don't want to know, that's, that's too bad. I'm going to tell you. The Bible tells us why, and it's beautifully illustrated in Israel's land conquest. Judges chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Judges chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. These nations that the Lord left in the land to test Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. These are the nations, the Philistines, those living under the five Philistine rulers, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites, living in the mountains of Lebanon and Mount Baal Hermon and Lebohamath. These people were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the commands of the Lord that the Lord had given to their ancestors through Moses. Did you guys notice that? that? Really interesting. Because God told them, get rid of all the people. But God left some in the land. Why did he do that? He did it so they would grow. There, there, it is there. The sin nature is there to test us and to train us. It's there to teach us and for us to gain knowledge, to teach us to fight, to teach us to wrestle. Well, what do we need to learn to fight and to wrestle for? Does not the Apostle Paul talk about wrestling? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's a constant battle. Jude chapter 3 talks about contending for the faith. Why in the world, why in the world would God give us the armor of God in Ephesians 5 if we weren't intended to fight? You know, it's like, it's interesting. You get to the end of Ephesians after everything that we've had, everything we learned, and you're kind of hoping Christianity in our culture today, we're hoping that God is going to give us a lounge chair with air conditioning. This is my gift I give to you as Christians today. A lounge chair, air conditioning, big screen, flat TV, and it's upgraded every single year. And you just sit there with the air conditioning on, watching TV with the air, you know, the fan blowing, sitting there with your pina coladas, we're Baptists, so virgin pina coladas. And we think that that's what Christianity is supposed to be, but no, we become saved. We go through the process of sanctification and God rewards us with what? The armor of God. Helmets, breastplate, shields, swords. That's what we get. That's what we're rewarded with as Christians because we're supposed to fight. Teach us to fight. The sin nature teaches us how to wrestle, to struggle, to overcome, to conquer, to gain self-control, to suffer, to grow, to know, and to learn about our Lord. Family, we're being trained. Do we not realize that we are going to be kings and queens of the kingdom of heaven? Kings and queens of the kingdom of heaven. And like I said, the Bible says that we're also going to be over angels. 
We're going to have authority. We're going to judge angels. We're going to have authority over angels. <laughs> Come on. And people, the angels, whatever it is that we're ruling over, man, let's not be fools. Let's be trained in righteousness. I mean, like, man, we, we're going to have some conflict. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen when, you know, in eternity. I mean, we just don't know. That's the beauty about all of this kind of stuff. But what happens if you're the king of whatever area of the universe you are ruling over and there's conflict that comes? You know, the aliens are coming. And there's conflict. And the angels are just like, we're doomed. We're absolutely doomed. Man, Shane could not get through one little itty bitty bit of conflict when he was on earth. And we got a big war coming up and what's he gonna do? What's he gonna teach us? He gonna teach us to run? We're being trained for what it is that God has for us in eternity. (laughs) So family, for the sake of the angels and their protection, (laughs) let's be trained. So, but but again, I understand that it's going to be a struggle. Uh, You bet it is. It's going to be a struggle. We will fail. We're going to sin. We struggle with it. We're going to fall short. Paul says that when I desire to do good, evil is right there with me. Things that he wants to do are the things that he doesn't want to do. And he finds that the things that he doesn't want to do are the things that he does. The things that he wants to do, he doesn't do it. So he finds this that worked in in him. A desire to do good, evil is right there with me. And we continue to fall short. So yeah, we're going to sin. But see, uh, people will say, well, Shane, but how do you, how do you get this? How, how do you understand this? How does this play out when it comes to life? And especially when dealing with sin and dealing with you know, our righteous nature. So there's always a war, right? So there's going to be victories and there's going to be failures. Yeah, you're going to, there's, there's going to be failures. You know, or the, you know, all day long, this guy that's been absolutely at work, he's been irritating you. And you just, you know, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, you've been good, you've been withstanding, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, lunchtime comes, you got to eat a little bit, you're less, grump, you're less grumpy, but this dude is sitting there next to you, he's irritating, he's irritating, you're doing really good, but then 4.30 comes and you punch him in the face. I'm so sorry I did this. I'm so sorry, God. I can't believe I did this. I just, it gets to a place, right, where you just, you can't. There's going to be failures, right? There's going to be failures. I'm not telling you it's okay to punch your coworker in the face. Okay, I'm not saying that, that it's okay because I'm explaining that it is a sin. That is a failure. That is a failure. That's a defeat. But even, even sometimes, like when, when young people will come up and they'll talk to me about, you know, even, uh, you know, so, sometimes young people will, will, will get engaged and, you know, they have this super long engagement. And so they're struggling with the attraction that they have for each other, which I always say is good. I'm so glad that you guys are struggling with the attraction that you have for each other because that just means that you're attracted to each other. I like, I get it. I get it. It's there. Good, good. And sometimes, you know, when we're counseling, sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes they actually will fall into fornication. 
they have sex before marriage. And they do this and, you know, we, we counsel, we talk, we talk through this, we try to get through it, we counsel, we do all these things, we come up with plans, all these kinds of stuff, you know. Like I, like I always say, like, you know, you guys know that you guys are attracted to each other, you guys are struggling with this, you know, issue, with this pull and this draw that you have for each other. And yet you guys will, will you'll be over at her house at two o'clock at night watching a movie, sitting on the couch with a blanket over you because you're, you're, you're cold. Yeah, not, not using your head, right? <laughs> and so all of these kinds of things start to happen. But here's the thing. Will there be failures? Yes. Are there going to be failures in our life? Yes. But this is how you know that the Holy Spirit is at work in you. Do your victories outnumber your losses? It's, it's, I'm not saying that this is really how you look at it, but this is kind of how you understand it. Are you winning? Are you defeating these things? Yes, you're going to fall short, but are you winning? Are you defeating it? Did you lose more than you won when it comes to this particular sin or this important piece of, of a part of your life where you're wrestling with the sin nature? Are you winning? When you're standing there and you know you ain't got the money, but you're looking at that Gucci purse. I don't know about you guys, but I, I was privy to this stuff the last time I went to Hawaii. Do you know that, that some of these purses are like $10,000? Did you know that? I, I blew me away when I found that it was $10,000. I was thinking, man, if they $10,000 purses, Linda, are they alligator skin? Man, this is what totally blew me away. I was thinking, they've got to be alligator skin or some kind of rare, you know, you know, I don't know, some kind of rare animal they found in Africa or something like that, or snake skin or something like that. But they're canvas. You, I, it's just, I make fun of them. I'm like, you paid $10,000 for a canvas bag? My, my shoes are worth more than that. Anyway, but when we see these types of things when it comes to victory, materialism, these kinds of things. Are we winning more than we're losing? So I like to say this. When you look back at the struggle that you had in your life, look back, think about all the struggle with the sin nature you've had throughout your entire life. My question to you is this. Are you going to make the playoffs? Last time I checked, you don't make the playoffs with a losing record. Are you going to make the playoffs? And then we grow in knowledge of our Lord. Because we're wrestling with the sin nature, spirit, we become more like Him. We work to know, we work to grow, and when we do, we become more like Christ. This is why you cannot and must not be ignorant of the Bible and doctrine and theology. We can't be ignorant when it comes to the Bible and it comes to theology. This is really important for you to, to hear what I'm going to say here. We can't be ignorant. We got to know the Word of God. We really, really got to know it. When it comes to just basic general theology, we got to know it. We really, really got to know it. I don't know if you know uh, Dr. Vody Bakum. Anything you can hear or read from Dr. Vody Bakum, read it, listen to it. Vody Bakum is amazing. He said this, if we are ignorant of the scriptures, if we are ignorant of doctrine and theology, we will never be able to identify a false teacher. 
Whoa, huge. You will never be able to identify a false teacher if you are ignorant of the Bible and theology. So here's the thing that I, I like to kind of spin this a little bit. So if you're not able to identify false teachers, you might be ignorant. So I add to it. If we are not, or if we are ignorant of the scriptures, and if we are ignorant of doctrine and theology, then we will never know God more, and we will never become like him. That's essentially what Paul is saying here. That's how we grow. That's how we know, through knowledge. I mean, think think about it. How are we supposed to be imitators of Christ? How are we supposed to become like Christ if we don't know anything about Christ? I mean, seriously. If we don't know anything about Christ... How can we become like Christ when we don't know him? I will say this. Knowledge of God does not automatically make you a mature godly person because I know lots of knowledgeable people who are tragedies. And many PhDs today are spreading the worst heresies. Absolutely. That's that's true. Just because you know doesn't make you godly. It doesn't automatically make you mature. I get it. But I'll tell you this. You cannot be mature if you're ignorant. That's clear. You cannot be like Christ if you do not know Christ. You're not. You're not going to. It's not ever going to happen. You must, and I repeat, you must grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord. We've got to know. This is why we do things. This is why I teach the Bible. This is why we have Sunday morning Bible studies. This is why we have these types of things to help us to grow in knowledge, to help us to learn. So important for us to get this. See, this is, this is the thing that I think is what's happening today. Why we as Christians are failing to throw off the old self and to put on the new self is because we're, not, uh, we're ignorant biblically and ignorant theologically that we're falling for the culture's big push of authenticity. Man, you are hearing this all over the place. You're hearing it from school, college. People are teaching it. Politicians are talking about it. You get this in commercials. Everybody is telling you to be yourself. Was that in Aladdin? I think that was Aladdin. Be yourself. Just be yourself. Be yourself. Be your true self. Don't be fake. Don't try to be something that you're not. Just be authentic. Be yourself. Be yourself. Family, (laughs) if we are knowledgeable of the scriptures, when we hear something like that, it sets off a bell. Flags start to go up. Be yourself. Be yourself. Why does that not sound right? Because the Bible never tells us to be ourselves. The Bible tells us to be like Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. 
Yeah, you're supposed to be an imitator. Because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. And you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. The Bible never tells us to be ourselves. The Bible never tells us to keep the old, the old clothes on. Be authentic. All you got is old clothes. Just wear the old clothes. Just be real. You'll find that you're a lot happier. Fine. A lot happier. All the way to eternal damnation. See, family, this is the beauty of Christ. When Christ comes into our life, there's a huge paradigm shift. And this is what I've been finding. This is a, an experiment that I've done my whole life. Is I've always, I always am skeptical of things that I naturally like. <laughs> anything, like anything. If I'm like, Naturally, if deep down inside I'm naturally drawn to it, I'm skeptical. This is one of the things that I did as a young Christian as I was learning and growing and comprehending scripture. Like if I would listen to preachers and preachers would say things and I have no idea what scripture, I don't have any idea theologically what they're talking about, but if they say it and I rise up and I go, yeah, God does want me to be rich. Yeah. You know, I'm always skeptical of that, that initial, yeah. Yeah, that's all I want that. Yeah, it, it's, the, it's the wrestling match, the nature. And when Christ comes in, there is a paradigm shift that takes place where we're not going to be the same and we recognize that there is a wrestling match going on with our old nature. This is us using our heads. And in Christ, we see some extraordinary paradigm shifts. There is a huge change with how the new nature brings down walls in our lives. Maybe walls that used to divide. And we see here in verse 11, racial divides come down, Jew or Greek. Certain religious divides, circumcision versus uncircumcision. Cultural divides, barbarian, uncivilized. And social barriers, slave or free. All of those walls come down. All of these walls are supposed to come down. So what are we saying here? If you are a Christian, you cannot be a racist. Oh, I was real quiet. I got one amen. Thank you. This blows me away. How in the world do you stand there, call yourself a Christian, say that you are covered with the blood of Jesus and hate people who are a different race? Uh, this is one-on-one -on -one stuff, family. There should be no hostile divisions within evangelicalism and Christianity. There should be no cultural disdain in Christianity. And definitely should be no social barrier in the church. Why are there VIP sections in churches today? If there is, you are still wearing your old self and you need to get rid of it.
This is unbecoming for those who are in Christ. And you need to be winning this battle because you have the power to do it. And we have the power to do it because of the biggest, because the biggest wall that we had came down when Christ came. The wall that separated us from our heavenly father. That wall came down. Because of Adam's sin in the garden, we as mankind were separated from the Father and the veil to the holy place made that very, very clear. And we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when Christ died, the veil to the temple was torn and the barrier was gone. And now covered with the blood of Christ, we have confidence to enter into the throne room of the living God. Because here it is. Why? Because Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. That Jesus came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. And the promises continue that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Walls came down. Walls came down everywhere when this happened. With the death and resurrection of Christ, it came down and it brought peace and harmony to mankind. But most importantly, the wall separating man and God came down. And the Father and Son also gave us the Holy Spirit to bring us power to overcome sin. Hey, this is, that, that's important, family. We, we look at the power of the Holy Spirit and we, we, we get really enamored with all the, the miracles and the gifts and all this stuff. But man, if you see the real push of Scripture is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can overcome the old nature. So we can overcome sin and we can rest in the eternal love of the Father because He gave us life and life more abundant. Let's pray. Father, thank you so Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.